Welcome to the podcast, Let the Prophet Speak. Today we continue our study of the second book of Samuel, that's Shmuel Bet. We are up to Perak Zion, that is chapter 7. <coughs> for those that have been listening regularly, I apologize for the long break between the last chapter and this one. Unfortunately, um, in addition to the high holidays, uh, I unfortunately got sick with COVID for a while and it kind of made it very difficult for me to speak. I still have a little bit of a residual cough and I apologize, but I finally feel better enough to uh, continue this and hopefully we'll keep going through the second book of Shmuel. We are now at the apex of the career of David, or at least very close to the apex and we are kind of at, on the verge, and in several chapters from now, of reading about the events that nearly brought about the downfall <coughs> of David's kingdom. <clears throat> and um, But prior to that downfall, uh, we are right now kind of at the height of his power. Vayehi, at verse 1. Ki yoshav hamelech biveito, when the king uh, sat and resided in his house, and God gave him peace from all of the enemies that surrounded him, from all around him. Now note, all of the enemies are not yet conquered. That will happen in the next chapter. But they're at peace. David is powerful. He's strong. He doesn't have to worry anymore. He's living at peace in his home. But he obviously knows that he still has more work to do in terms of securing the future of the the newly uh, being established nation of Israel. So, Vayomer, excuse me. So the king comes and he speaks to Nasan, Nathan the Navi, the prophet. This is the first we hear of him. He's going to show up on many times after this, but he is the prophet um, and the court of the king uh, David. Reina. Look, look, please look. I am resting. I am residing in this house made of cedar. <coughs> in other words, this nice big house. But the ark of God is simply abiding within a tent, within a tent made of of <coughs> of um of soft cloth, uh, you know, and and. Remember, we had learned about the fate of the Aron of the Ark before it was brought to Jerusalem, <clears throat> finally and placed in the tent, but <clears throat> but still in a tent nonetheless. So, obviously, the intent of the king was to state that now I want to build a nice house for the Ark of God. Now, this is interesting because on the surface, of course, this seems like an admirable thing to do, right? Uh, David wants to build a beautiful house for God. I'm going to point out here, and for those that have been studying Tanakh, the words of the prophets together with me from the beginning, have noticed a, a central theme that I like to emphasize, and that is is that the entire Tanakh is a is really a process. If I had to sum up the message of Tanakh in a sentence, I know that sounds quite uh, as as quite an audacious. Uh, and bold statement to make, but I think it's pretty spot on, is bringing a people from the world of pagan idol worship where gods had needs and gods had 
things that they uh, you had to do in order to placate them, which eventually could lead to people sacrificing and sacrificing things to those gods and sacrificing themselves or their children to those gods, etc. That's where that ultimately could lead, and it could ultimately lead to a tremendous amount of moral corruption. To bring them out of that stage into a stage where they believe and comp- where people can understand that the world works differently, that it's monotheistic, there is only one God, number one, and number two, what the God wants from us is our behavior. He wants our morality. He gives us rules and laws to keep in order that we should know. And on this basis, on the basis of the way we act, right, is the way we achieve favor or lack of favor in the eyes of the Creator, of the one creator, the one and only creator. So ultimately the goal then is to get to a point where we of our own accord recognize that that what God wants from us is moral behavior. And why does he want that? Because he doesn't need anything. God doesn't need anything, right? We need to improve ourselves. God does this out of his own goodness for us so that we can improve, that we can uplift ourselves, we can raise ourselves. So in, in, what, in a sense, what on the surface sounds and looks like something admirable, something honorable, is actually the opposite. It's actually David making a little mistake here, right? right? And that mistake is that God is not interested in big houses. If you're building it for God, you haven't yet gotten the full message. And remember, we pointed this out when we discussed how, why it was that Saul lost the kingship. And the reason was because Saul didn't get this message. Go back to the uh, previous podcasts where I emphasized this throughout the, um, the, um, the study of Saul and why he lost the kingship. Because when push came to shove, Saul in the end said, oh, let's bring God sacrifices. Let's do what God wants. Let's bring him this. Let's, do, let's bring the ark. Let's... Saul completely missed the boat on this point. He recognized there was one God. He wasn't a pagan in the sense that he worshipped the other gods. But he felt that, that, that God needs something from us. David, again, is making that little mistake. But on the surface, it sounds like a wonderful thing. Look, I am living in this big house, and God is over there in that little tent. So Nathan, the prophet, mistakenly, and we'll see why mistakenly, uh, uh, agrees to David and says, Nathan said to the king, Whatever it is that you want, go ahead and do it if you want to build a house because God is with you. Because Nathan has seen until now, God has been with David until now. David has been a loyal servant of God until now. So go ahead, build it. However, immediately in verse 4, On that night it came, The word of God came to Nathan. No, 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 there's a problem here. Go speak to my servant, to David. Ko amar Adonai, so says God. Are you going to be the one that builds me a house for me to reside in? Listen to the emphasis. Are you, as a human being, going to build for me a place for me to reside? What do I need a house for? Verse 6. I have never lived in a house. From the day I brought the people of Israel from Egypt. Until this day, I was always traveling in a tent, in a temporary tabernacle, wandering around the desert with the people of Israel. That's fine with me, right? I was able to perform all of this to bring the people out of the land of Egypt, to bring them across the desert, to bring them into the land of Israel, to conquer all their enemies. 
All of this occurred while I was living in a tent. In the entire time that I have been traveling through wherever the people of Israel traveled, have I ever spoken a word to any of the leaders of the people of Israel? that I commanded those, those leaders whom I appointed as the, as the shepherds, as the leaders of the people of Israel, have I ever said, to them, why have you not built me a nice house built of cedar wood? In other words, you know, I've commanded many leaders before you, Moses, Moshe, Joshua, Yoshua, and of the of the Shoftim of the period of judges, we have had many great leaders. We've had <coughs> Gidon and Devorah, and I mean, one after another, there were Shoftim and leaders. Did I ever command any of them to build me a house? No. Right? I don't need that. The Atta, and now this is what I want you to say. This is what you to, I want you to say to my servant David. God is recognizing that David is my servant. God realizes that this came from a good place, but it was still a mistake. So says the Lord God. I have taken you out of the pasture, Meacharatzon. David, you are a shepherd. <coughs> I have done a lot for you. What have I done? I start, you were a shepherd, shepherding the sheep in the field, and I have taken you out of there and raised you up and brought you to be in charge, to be the chief over the people of Israel. Nagid is a ruler, a chieftain, but not God, interestingly here, doesn't call him a melech, doesn't call him a king. It's like you're almost there, but not quite. And I have been with you in all of your travails wherever you have went. All of your enemies, I have cut them from before you. I have cut them down. I have given you a great reputation as the names of the greatest leaders of people in the land and history. And I have now made a place for my people Israel to live in peace. And I have implanted them there, and and um, and they will rest in that this place, and they will no longer be afraid. And those evil people, the evil people that tormented them, that tortured them, that attacked them, that didn't allow them to live peacefully, will no longer bother them. Like they used to in the old days. And from the day that I commanded and, 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 and appointed leaders over <coughs> my nation Israel, right? I will give you peace from all of your enemies. And that is when <coughs> um, God will say, That is when... Um, I'm sorry... Uh, and, and, and God then declares to you and says to you that God will make for you a house, right? So another, let me translate this Pasuk, uh, this verse 11 again. From the day that I commanded judges over the people Israel and I gave you peace, God is the one that tells you that he is going to make for you a place. God is telling us something extremely, extremely important here, what he's telling Nathan to tell David, and that is that it's not about what you do for God. At this point in your history, God is doing this for you. He wants to do this for you because 
of what he's about to claim in the next in the next few verses and i want you to pay very close attention to this god is establishing you in peace because he wants to see the real purpose fulfilled and the real purpose is not to give god things is not to build god a nice big house for him in honor of god no that is that smacks a little bit of of idol worship that's what idols want they want sacrifices they want things that's not what i want i want to make you live in peace so that you can learn what true worship is so that you can be an example so that you can practice the morals that i'm teaching you they can practice the torah that i'm teaching you and be an example for the rest of the world pay close attention to this because soon your days will pass and you will go back to your fathers and lie with your fathers and you will pass on <coughs> in other words you will then have finished your job your job which was to secure the people on their land and get rid of the enemies because think about it for a moment while these wars are being fought while the enemies are being taken down people as as we all know the saying there's no atheist in a foxhole while you're fighting people look to god because they want they need to get something from god they need they want safety from god they want sustenance from god they want uh, food and 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 shelter and and they want things from god and that's okay that's understandable this is a stage that's a stage but it's a stage to get you to the point where you have everything and then you look around and say, what's the purpose of my life? The purpose of my life is to live the way God wants me to live, which is in a moral, ethical, proper manner. So that's why I need to wait. Then, after you pass on and you finish this job and you establish a solid monarchy, a solid monarchy meaning a peaceful transition of power to your children, your children that come from you and then I will establish him in his kingship when he is a king and we know later on this will be King Solomon but we have a long way till we get to that part of the story he will build a house but it will be different and what's, and, and what's the difference and let's read very carefully and I will established his kingship forever that kingship the kingship of solomon will last till the end of time what kind of kingship will this be who is the one that will be building me the house when i will be to him like a father and he will be to me like a son what does that mean that means when he does bad i will have him chastised i will have him smoked with the rod of men, in other words, when he does and with all of the afflictions that human beings suffer. In other words, I will then lead him in this moral fashion. You will have to be a good boy. You will have to do what you're supposed to do. You'll have to be good people. If you're bad, I will punish. On the flip side, verse 15, I will not take my kindness away from him, just like a father and a son, right? I will... A father doesn't give up his child just because the child is, is, is wayward, just because the child misbehaves. I will not do it in the same way that I did with Saul. Remember, because Saul didn't understand this message. Saul didn't understand that it was behavior. It was moral behavior that God wanted. Saul, whom I took away and gave the kingship over to you. Your house and your kingship this throne will pass 
um, will be trustworthy, will last forever. Your throne will last forever. This is the, 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 there will, once there is a solid government, <coughs> a government that passes from generation to generation, <coughs> remember this is long before the idea of, 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 of democracy is born, right? So here, a kingship that passes on from one generation to another generation is the ultimate symbol of stability. It's the ultimate symbol of, 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 um, of a secure uh, uh, nation that can now look to higher and better things. What is it that God wants? God wants behavior. That is the emphasis here. And God does not want for you to do things for him in order that he should help you at war. God doesn't want you to do things for him in order that you should be able to get food, in order that you should be able to be healthy, in order that you should be able to be strong. That is a much, much lower level. That is not why I want you to build me a house so that you can go there and pray in order to get stuff. I want you to build me a house when you're secure, when you're ready, and that house is being built so that you can go there for inspiration. You can go there for inspiration so that you become a better person and that God will treat you like a father and a son. God will treat you based on your behavior, based on how you act, not on what you build for him. The house is not for God. The house is for you. And Nathan went back and took this in, all these words <coughs> and this vision back to David and told him exactly what God's response was. I want to point out over here, this is really important. Uh, many of you are familiar with what we study when the same story is reviewed in the Divrei Hayomim in Chronicles. And there it mentions how David, how David was not... Uh, Told, was told not to build the temple because David was a man of war, had too much blood on his hands. And much, much ink has been spilled and many lectures have been given over why there is a, such a dramatic difference between the way the story is recounted here and the story is recounted there. I would like to put forward that if you think carefully about the way I presented this story, then you will understand right away there is no contradiction at all. Right? The point over here is, is that while David is still at war, while David is still at war fighting against the enemies, and even though this chapter began with the words that David was at peace, we're going to see in the next chapter that peace had, was far, was not yet there. And at this point, it was clear that there were many enemies that still needed to be vanquished for the people to live at peace. <coughs> um, as because David was at war, David was therefore, by its very definition, the wrong person to build a house because the purpose of the house, the, the purity of the purpose of the house of God was being missed. And that purpose is not because God needs a house. The purpose is because we need the house. We need the house as people, as a place to go to contemplate our purpose here. And what is that purpose? To be and good and live the morality that God is teaching us to have and live. I'm going to stop here in the middle of this chapter. In the next chapter, we're going to read David's response, the prayer that he put forward when he, um, when he, after he heard the, uh, the response of Nathan to him. Thank you so much for studying this together. Looking forward to continuing our study of the, of the book of Samuel together and, of course, all of the words of the prophets.